But I hope we can all leave here this morning with, with something that can make us um, better with God, that can draw us closer uh, to Him. If you would, turn to 2 Kings chapter 16. 2 Kings chapter 16. And that's where we'll begin um, our reading this morning. Um, we're going to talk about uh, King Ahaz uh, for a little bit uh, this morning. Um, but I want us to think about what we're doing in our, with our lives in difficult situations. Think of a, a difficult situation that you might have gone through already in life uh, up till today, whether it was recently or not. Um, we know that difficult situations come up. And so I want to talk about these difficult situations uh, and how to better prepare ourselves uh, when they arrive. Um, maybe, again, maybe there's something significant now or not, um, but I want us ready. You have likely uh, heard the phrase, actions speak louder than words. Um, we got head shaken. It's true. We, we have, it, it's something common in our society. We need to back up the things that we say uh, with actions, with deeds. Um, and, and that's wildly important here, I think, in the lesson this morning. Um, I think that concept is harder, though, than we necessarily uh, give it. I guess credit for, right? We think about that and we think about uh, the idea of, um, I think it's just a harder thing to do, right? I think that's why the reminder is there because I think that's harder for us uh, to achieve. Um, I think we need to consider what happens here in Second Kings 16 um, and realize, you know, ask ourselves the question, do we trust in God? Um, would I trust in God if I were here? Um, I think we will find ourselves um, needing to to look at the question or look at the phrase, relying on God's difficult times is difficult. Think about that. Relying on the difficult times, uh, relying on God in difficult times is difficult, but God deserves it, doesn't he? Um, I think, obviously, the desires... Um, Need to be there. We'll, we'll come back to that statement um, here in a minute. Uh, take a look at Second uh, Kings sixteen. Uh, towards the beginning, um, we see Ahaz reigns in Judah. Here, it's the seventeenth year of the son of Remaliah in, in Israel. Um, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. It says in verse one. Um, we can see that here. Um, Ahaz was a bad king. I don't know how many of you uh, know that right off the bat. Um, based on his name, but he was—he ends up being a bad thing. We'll, we'll see that. Uh, but but his father Jotham was good. He was a very good man. Not much was said about Jotham other than that he was good. Um, but uh, Jotham's father Isaiah, uh, who uh, was Ahaz's—you're going to have to bear with me on, on all these names. I'm not good with all these names. But Isaiah uh, um, was was Ahaz's fa- grandfather. And he went from good, a great king, good king, to bad. He ended up spending the last 10 years of his life uh, with leprosy um, because of his bad decision. Um, that's when Jotham took over. Then Jotham ended up dying, and then Ahaz took over. Do um, you remember Hezekiah, a great king? He ended up reigning after his father Ahaz, which whom we're going to talk about this morning. Then we see Ahaz's grandson Manasseh. The worst ever, 
but ends up being pretty good at the end um, through his repentance. Um, if you look here, um, Ahaz gained his, his, his kingship um, when he was 20 years old. And if you would read with me um, verses 1 through 9 here. Um, In the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and did not do what was right in the the sight of the Lord, his God, but uh, as his father David had done. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. He even burned his son as an offering, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Then Reason, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, came up to a wage war on Jerusalem. And they besieged Ahaz, but could not conquer him. Verse 6 says, At the time, Razan, the king of Syria, recovered Elath for, for Syria and drove the men of Judah from Elath. And the Edomites came to Elath, where they dwell to this day. So Ahaz sent messengers to... Remember, get this part. So Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come up and rescue me from the hand of the king of Syria and, and from the hand of the king of Israel who are attacking me. Ahaz also took the silver and the gold that was found in the house of the Lord... And in the treasures of the king of the house, and sent a present to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria listened to him. The king of Assyria marched up against Damascus and took it, carrying its people captive to Ker, and he killed Razan. And then verse 10 says, he, And when King Ahaz uh, went to Damascus he, to meet Tiglath Pileser, king of Assyria, he saw the altar that was in Damascus, and the king Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest and the model of the altar in its pattern. Exact in its details, and he basically wants to build his own um, um, altars for God. Um, we we see here, I believe, um, that he was bad. Obviously, what did it say in verse three? It says that he murdered his own son, his own sons. If you read the Second Chronicles, it mentions sons. It's plural. It was more than one. Uh, just one would be enough, I believe. Um, but it, it's something I think that resonates with us, uh, how bad he is. If you turn over to Second uh, Chronicles, chapter 28, in 2 Chronicles 28, in verse 22, it says, In the time of his distress, he became yet more faithless to the Lord, the same King Ahaz. He became more after this period. Um, it, it, said, it go on and it says, For he sacrificed the God's of Damascus that had defeated him. So, so it, it talks about his sacrificial uh, every, um, system uh, up north. Um, he was a, a bad person in, in, in this situation. Um, and he, when he was surrounded by Israel and Syria, he, he sent this word. Instead of standing up for what God wanted him to do, he sent word to another northern, larger um, place and sent gold to them to get a serious help. Um, and we'll find out here, if you would, turn over to Isaiah chapter 7. 
Isaiah chapter 7. We'll see here in Isaiah chapter 7 that that's not what God wanted. And when I, when I, when I think about Ahaz, um, there's a situation here um, I, I, that happens a lot with the prophets. And I think in 2 uh, Kings and in the Chronicles that um, there's details that aren't quite there. There's details that aren't quite there in 2 Chronicles um, or in 2 Kings. And that's what God uh, had sent uh, to Ahaz. Um, in verses uh, 1 through 4, it says, Isaiah chapter 7, it says, In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Verse 3 says, And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Sherashah, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool and on the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands, at the fierce anger of Rezin in Syria and the son of Remaliah. Here in these first four verses, we, we see what God said to him. What did he say to him? Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint in that situation. Um, that's, what, that's how God wanted Ahaz to respond. Um, but if we read on, um, that's not exactly how Ahaz wanted to respond. It says in verse 12, if you skip down there, it says, But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord... To the test might sound a little bit confusing, but what I what I believe comes from that statement is the idea that he didn't want to put God to the test and and consulting God or relying on God. He already had a plan in mind, but he was given a plan in mind that God was going to take over. Um, but that's not um, what he wanted to do. But I can't blame Ahaz for it all, though. Um, I think. When you consider that two nations are out front uh, waiting to physically destroy him and his people, I don't know that I've ever really just experienced that. Um, I have two older brothers, and I was the youngest of the three, and they knew I was afraid of wolves growing up, so they thought it's funny to stand outside my window and cry out like wolves until I'm crying and screaming you know, for my mom to come in family, right? But I haven't experienced... To a degree of of war in this situation, um, never thought of war, never been to war. Uh, have maybe close friends that have. Um, they might have a better understanding of what this feeling might be like. Um, but but to see two peop- two nations out there ready to collapse in and win, in in the long stretch, and I've never had that feeling, and I don't think any one of us have had that feeling. Um, but I can imagine Ahaz and picturing his, the people in Judah and Jerusalem here running around thinking we have, to, we have to protect this city, but we're doomed. I mean, we are doomed in this situation. Um, let's go consult the biggest nation known right now. 
Um, that's what Ahaz ends up wanting to do. The next, ver- uh, the very next verse, um, God sends Isaiah the king um, to King Ahaz, counseling. And you think about that? Yes, even kings need counseling. And I think we just think about that for a second. Here, God slows things down, gets the king of Judah of Jerusalem, his nation where his kingdom is, slows him down and says, be careful, be quiet, don't fear. But yet, Ahaz does not want to slow that down. Um, I can't help but put my in the, in the place of Ahaz with my, with my heart shaking in fear, running around um, with these two armies surrounding us. And I think it seems like an odd thing um, when, he, when, when God talks about the two nations becoming these, these smoldering firebrands. Um, you know, but that just means that he's going to take care of it. But, but I, don't, I don't recognize that. I don't, I don't think I understand that because I, I have set in my disposition this, this idea of I need immediate change. I need something now and I, that I can control and I can, I can fix it. And I think that's what's going on here um, from, from Ahaz. Just have a few questions for, for you this morning. Are you ever in this situation? Are you ever in a situation where um, the enemy is lurking um, at your gates? Where Satan is, is lurking at your doorstep? Surrounding your kingdom? Um, I would say always. If you would, turn with me to 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. The reason I say, I believe I would say this, is because I believe that's what God says. In 1 Peter, verse 5 and in verse 8, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's what Satan does. To all of us. And um, I think that's very similar to what's going on with, with Ahaz. Um, do you think he's always trying to take us down to war? Turn over to Revelation chapter 12. In Revelation chapter 12, if, you, if we scan down to verse 17, it says the dragon... Became furious, and the dragon being Satan. The dragon became furious with the woman, us, the church, and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. The wo- sorry, the woman was Christ. But, but talking about making war against Christians. Satan is lurking at our doorsteps, surrounding the kingdom, us, and wants to make war against us. That's what's going on, and I think that's easy to say, but hard to relate to. I think it's easy for me to stand up here and say that, um, but for us to understand that. But that's what we need to do. How do we react in this situation where we understand Satan is at our doorstep? Who do we want to turn to? Do our hearts shake in fear when we say that? When I say that about Satan, I don't think I shake in fear. Um, Not for the good sake, though. I don't think I don't shake in fear and complete trust in God in that situation. I think I don't shake in fear because I can't see it. I can't see Satan to a degree. Um, But when I see sin 
Yeah, I think I can, I can, the anxiety will set in. But what did, what did God do with the king of Judah? Turn to, turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 will, will answer this for us. In verse 6 it says in Proverbs chapter 3, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. That's the counsel that we all read, and we're like, yeah, I need to do that. And that's good, because that is what we need to do, and that's why I'm up here saying that, reminding us all. But that's what God wanted the king of Judah also to do. And I think that alone, for me, is a powerful lesson. When I think about how large of a man the king of Judah would have been in that situation. And how many people would have been following that king. And that, that's what God wanted him to do. Um, if you would um, take a look again with me at um, what God says in, in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 4. Um, and we'll make a few comments uh, this morning on that. And then I'll leave this lesson with you. Um, in verse 4, he tells... Ahaz, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be troubled. Um, The first thing that he says is to be careful. And I think uh, a little caution obviously could go a long ways uh, for us all here. Uh, When we consider the things that we go through in this life, um, we we need to consider the fact that we react differently. Um, Some of us... Uh, might feel we can take on problems head on having an unrealistic perspective of the size of the threat though right Um, we we can plan and that's great and i think that's really one of the best things to do if we're going to make it an in-time decision if at all possible Um, but a lot of times the in-time decision probably don't need to be made um, when we're talking about life changes, when we're talking about something so severe as, as what's going on here uh, between uh, Ahaz and this battle, um, some of us might gain um, a false sense of security, though, and recklessness um, to take on these battle, battles head-on without planning, though. Um, maybe we can also take the instruction to, to mean we should be careful how we, we act um, and what we say. Um, you know, all when I think about Ahaz and I think about um, again that that situation, you're the king. Um, so what are you going to do? And and he he goes off and he runs and he squanders all that responsibility and it, and he asks for all that help from the Assyrians. And you think, I don't know. I don't know. If, for me, if that if I were watching that, I would be inspired. Uh, for anything, but but to only shake and fear more, right? That my king can't even do anything. Um, I think that's a very sad situation to 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 find yourself in um, by doing that. But that's not even what God wanted him to do. God wanted him to to stand there carefully, to probably nurture his people and say, "God will take care of this," because that's what God told me. That, to me, would, would probably draw more strength as a, as a people following this king. 
Um, and that, and again, God wanted Ahaz to do that, but he didn't. But what are we doing in our lives? When we consider people are watching, when we consider ourselves as that king, people are watching us, how are we going to inspire people to Christ? Will we carefully approach these difficult times? Um, I realize that it can be difficult, um, but if we choose to be careful in these situations and to remember, I, I'm supposed to be a leader as well. Mm, that's where it gets me. I am not a very careful person. Um, I'm more of the act in the moment type of a person. My wife can probably uh, back that up. Um, I'm more of the impulse buyer, for example. Um, that's typically how my mind works in a lot of situations, but I don't think that's how God wants me to act. Um, and, and I think the biggest reason is, is because we're influencers. No matter how old you are or how young you are, you're an influence to some degree. Um, people are always watching. Um, the Creator tells us to be careful, I think, in this verse. Um, so the question I have for you is, are you? The next thing he says in Isaiah 7 and verse 4 is to be quiet. Um, I think similarly to being careful, Ahaz was told to be quiet. Perhaps this is one of the most important, uh, yet simplistic, uh, I think, lessons uh, for us. If we are quiet in the face of trials, what does that do? If we don't say anything, if we're not filling our ears with something or other people's ears with something, what does it do? It leaves a blank template. And, where can, and what can come in for that blank template? I think God's word can come in there. Or to see God's action come in there. To be more observant of God's action in there. To be more focused on that. Uh, if you would, turn with me over to 2 Thessalonians. Chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. might be, is that the right one? No, I think it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Timothy, I apologize. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. But, um, if we consider that silence in that moment of wanting to make that quick decision, wanting to tell everybody what to do, if we're silent, we're cautious, and then we uh, come to this point, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training the righteousness, that the, men, the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. I think that's what being quiet Allows. I think it allows for God to come in there, like he says in Proverbs chapter 3, and to let, to let him take over. I think it's handing things over to God. Why? Well, what did God want to do for Ahaz, for Jerusalem? He wanted to take over the situation, right? Instead of perhaps thinking of the, uh, the worst Worst case scenarios or worrying or filling our minds with uh, what to do. We should calmly s settle ourselves down. 
not say anything, to be quiet, and to fill our minds with anything God's Word. And I think that is really hard to do um, in, in situations where... Um, I think it's hard because a lot of times I don't even think we see the situation. I think a lot of times when we consider Satan how he works with us, we don't even see the sin that's, that's standing at the doorstep. Um, but when we do, we, we need to slow ourselves down and, and, and to be quiet because um, God says that. So will we listen to him? The next thing he says is to, to not fear. Son of God is our king and we have nothing to fear with his lead, right? Well, I don't think that's always the way we act. And I think that's the problem in our influence. Um, turn to Romans chapter 8. I think some of these verses here will, will, will kind of help us um, understand this a little bit more. Verse 31 in Romans chapter 8 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Do we, do we think like that in every situation? Do we, does God even come into the pictures in certain situations? Or do we necessarily just put God on every situation? I thought of the situation, so God's for me. Or do we, do we need to see God in the situation first by being, by being careful and quiet? Um, I think that's very hard uh, to do, um, but but I think Paul really had it right though when he when he says this, um, and we remember that our lives uh, are not about the physical, but about preserving our spirit in the kingdom. Our focus, um, I think, will have the finish to to what was read this morning. Uh, if you look at the end in verse thirty seven of chapter eight, it says, "No, in all these things we are more than conquerors." Through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, Christ Jesus, our Lord. I mean, what is there? I, you know, Paul didn't leave anything out of that. He wrapped everything there is and says, God is with you. God is for us. Why would you want to be anywhere else? Why would you want to depend on anything else? Um, and, and, and I think, yeah, yeah. And then I kick myself in a situation where I've either sinned or I've you know, fallen on the side of Satan in a situation or I've done something that did not replicate um, this short little system for Ahaz, which was monumental for his life. Being surrounded and facing death that was what he was in. And God says, I will take care of him. Just do this. That's all you have to do. Do this. But, but he didn't want to. He had other intentions in mind. So when he was told not to fear, I think he was. I think he was so fearful from his situation that he needed that immediate response from the Assyrians. He didn't have a time frame in mind from God. He had plans um, the, the next thing he says is to let your heart not be faint. I think this is referencing the anxiety that he was facing. Um, and I, I think it does come 
relatively easy once we consider the fear section in Romans chapter 8. But um, when we focus on this blessing of having uh, this immovable and indestructible relationship with Christ, um, shouldn't that excite us? And if we're excited to that, um, how or what would come up in life to to make us feel this anxiousness? Um, And I think... This excitement that we we would have uh, in our lives, I think, would would I think would conquer this this hanging our heads and and this gloomy feeling, or um, you know any other anxiety um, s- symptoms that we would have. Um, turn over to Hebrews chapter ten. I think in Hebrews chapter ten. Um, we're told um, the writer uh, of Hebrews, I think, really gets at, at this idea. Um, in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure uh, water. You ever thought about what you have in this assurance of faith that we have through Christ? We have, um, you connect that to what he said uh, in in Romans. And, I mean, there's nothing in this life, there's nothing at all possible that should conquer us. Whether it's health issues uh, or other issues in life, there is nothing... Um, that I that I believe uh, should ever um, come between us and God. Um, turn to James chapter one. Here in James chapter one, we're told of um, the idea of. Counting in all joy, it says in verse 2, My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith, which I believe is Satan, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That testing of faith, it says, per- Produces steadfastness, and it goes on and talks about. I, I believe that we can turn this war, this battle with Christ, not only defeating Him through, through Christ um, and, and through Christ's sacrifice, but when He continues to pursue us and our souls, and we trust in God and we're calm, we're quiet, we don't become anxious. I believe we're turning this upside down on Satan. Right? Because we're only getting better in that situation. Turn over to Romans chapter 5. I think Paul only takes us even further here. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says, More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, again, whether you're going through 
health conditions or um, frustrations in your life and your growth spiritually, and you're not seeing maybe enough of the fruit of the Spirit coming out, um, which perhaps means you're not listening to God as much as you think you should, um, or maybe you're going through problems and you, you've lost a family member recently, or you think you might. Um, there's soon. Um, I realize these are difficult situations, far far more difficult um, than I think some that that we ha- will have or want to have. Um, but again, if we trust in God and we listen to God like He said to do in. Um, Isaiah chapter 7, we should, um, we should be confident in what he promises us here in the New Testament. Um, these four things ought to make us desire to, to, to depend on God, not with, not with a finger, not with a hand, but with two hands as close as we possibly could. Um, turn back to First Peter. First Peter chapter five. Look at what um, he says here, um, right before verse eight. In, in verse seven, well, verse six he says, "Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time He may exalt you." Verse seven says, "Casting all your anxieties on Him, because why? He cares for us." Christ cares for us. Um, and this is happening right before he mentions Satan being right on the front, um, at our front door and the back door and every, everywhere around us. Satan is and wanting war. But he says, to throw it onto me, which is the same message that he said to Ahaz. Throw it onto me. Let me take care of you. And in verse 9, he says, uh, to resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are, bringing, are being experienced by you and your brotherhood around the world. And knowing that the brothers around the world are going through this or a lot more than this is a huge comforter, I think, for us all. Um, are you firm in the faith um, despite... Um, the difficulty of what you're going through. Um, the difficulty of what you're going through. Um, uh, um, Sa- Satan is, is waiting for us right outside of um, Jerusalem. You know, uh, if we consider Jerusalem as uh, our hearts and stronghold of Christ, Satan is waiting for us right there. Um, but will we respond to him with... Um, being careful in what we do next and being quiet enough to listen to, to his message. Um, that's where we look uh, this lesson and we think about um, what Jesus did to us when we consider John 3.16 and that uh, he went uh, to the cross for each one of us and he was, his arms pierced right there for each one of us we consider the love that he had. And we consider what we're supposed to do, the response that we're supposed to have to enter to the right relationship with God, Acts 2.38. The response that we're supposed to have to enter to the right relationship with God, Acts 2.38 tells us what we got to do. And if, if there are any of you that are not in that right relationship with God, we invite you to, this morning to, to enter that realm and be baptized. 
Um, we want you um, to grow in some way, and I hope you are. Um, but if there's anything we can do for you this morning, we ask that you come forward as we stand and sing.